Welcome to another episode of 360 Degrees, uh, part of the Urban Breakdown Network on this uh, this bright, sunny, cold uh, February morning. You know, we were just talking about how, you know, before the show, we're recording a little bit late today, you know, well, at least late for us. You guys don't know what time we record. <laughs> and then, um, you know, we always have this great conversation in the pre-show, you're right. You know, say some profound stuff, and then I get on the mic, and we're recording, and I'm like, Duh, I say the words, and they come out of my mouth, and I hear them. You know, I don't know. We always have like really good stuff from the pre-show. We never tape it. You know, so you'll just have to take our word for it. It was fantastic. So, uh, Odie, good morning. How are you today? Good morning. I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for asking. How are you? I cannot complain. The Mercedes. How are you? I'm great this morning. Amazing. We're gonna we're gonna pull a little bit of switch here. We're gonna start with Mercedes today. Mercedes, what you got for us? All right, guys. So um, I have a, a case. Um, I'm from Greenville, South Carolina, and we don't really have a whole lot of uh, missing person cases. And typically, there, there was actually one that actually went pretty nationwide. Of, few months back but it ended up being her fiance and you know it was it, it's always someone close to you but this situation that I'm about to talk about today is a little bit different um so there's a girl by the name of Alexis Ware she went missing on January the 30th and according to reports um she was meeting her child's father at the 7-Eleven on Highway 29 here which is like going towards Spartanburg Greer area in our in our city um so when he met her to pick up the kids supposedly she was supposed to follow the baby daddy back to his mother's house for whatever reason um he was taking the kids at that time to it was around 7 p.m so you know it was still some time in the day and um per the report it says um the plan was for alexis to follow her baby daddy his name is tj back to the mother's home but he says she never made it so the kids were in the car with me we got up the road went to a red light then she went around me and sped off TJ says that he called her multiple times and she never answered. Then, apparently, after that time period, there was another friend of hers that stated that she talked to her. Um, and it was during a time frame where most people had not spoken to her. So she went missing. Uh, she went, went missing on the 30th. Her baby daddy last saw her around 7 p.m. And some other friend of hers said she talked to her around 10 or 11 p.m. And the last place that she was spotted on the highway cameras was going towards Atlanta on Highway 85 South through Anderson County here in the upstate South Carolina. Well, a few days later, her car turned up um, in McCormick, South Carolina. When I say, uh, you wouldn't believe, the, the distance between Anderson and McCormick, we're talking about almost a 50 mile difference. Like that's how far away the, you know, it was that they found her car. So last night, unfortunately, there was um, a slight update. Someone actually made an anonymous page and they posted last night 
that her body was somewhere in a river or a creek near a, or about around where they found her car a few days ago um, down in McCormick, South Carolina. Um, the unfortunate part about it is the, okay, so the leads, the original leads led them to her car. It was abandoned. It was like in a place where no one would be. And if there was a creek or river nearby, I thought most of the time when a, a person goes missing, police start a search at least within about a 10 mile radius of where the vehicle was found. Apparently they didn't. And this is us talking about Greenville County and McCormick police officers. So I don't, I don't know what their process is, but so far that's literally been the, the end of it. Since the 30th, everybody's been sitting here kind of like twiddling their thumbs trying to figure out where she is. But there have been no other leads. And even this one, I'm not even sure if the police are going to follow up on it. The reason I want to talk about today is because over the past few months, a lot of things have started to happen in whether it be um, just period to Black women, they go missing, they're found dead in mysterious ways. Um, it's so many things happening. And it seems like no one is pushing the narrative to find these women. And it's something as a Black woman that <clears throat> kind of frightens me. Um, as you guys know, I work at a nightclub. So I'm in and out of the house, 12 a.m., back at 4 a.m. And of course me, I'm a concealed you know, permit carrier. I carry, but you never know how quick you can get to the one thing that can protect you. So I thought I'd bring it up right now. That's pretty much the end of the information that I have. Um, it's more to bring awareness to people who may listen to our podcast who aren't otherwise from our city. Uh, well, my city, because you guys are from a totally different part of the Carolinas. So I just wanted mm -hmm. to put that out there. So if anyone knows anything, um, her name is Alexis Ware. Um, her, her family is on Facebook, like in desperate need of trying to get more help to find her. Um, like I said, I don't feel like the police are really doing much um, with her case. And there was one other part that I tried to get from her cousin and he was trying to verify the information as well. And that information was if she ever made it to Georgia that night. And I guess the only way to be able to tell is if they're able to utilize the GPS technology in her car to figure that out. But so far, there hasn't been any information about it. So I guess the question would be, if she did make it down the road and when they saw her coming back up 85 um, on the 31st in that vehicle, was it really even her? For her car to be found a couple of days later mm -hmm. abandoned down in McCormick. Right. So that's where there is a lot of mystery um, surrounding her disappearance. And I thought I'd just mention it because unfortunately a lot of other people aren't. So Alexis Ware, if you're out there, this, come home. If not, if be, someone knows anything, yeah. tell the police. Oh, now the father does have the children, right? Yeah. The child, actually, the children. Okay. Yeah. Um, um, surveillance at the 7-Eleven uh, on Highway 29 here picked her up. She, it basically like, a, it, it looked like a simple baby mom, baby dad exchanging the kids. That's it. It wasn't, and, and it was, mm -hmm. they found, so he was telling the truth. Um, oh, one other thing, they did have a reward for any information. Some of her friends gathered up some money. Um, it started out a small amount, like $2,000. And then I think it has grown to about roughly $10,000 since the last time I checked on it. So there, excuse me, is a reward out for her, her being missing. I couldn't verify the exact amount, but it is on her family's page. If you simply go to Alexis Ware's page, her last post on Facebook was actually January 17th, way before she was missing. But if you look in her comments, there are a lot of things and a lot of speculation, but the um, 
I will see if I can find like a direct link for donations to help try to help find her or either towards uh, like her return, like a reward if anyone can give more information. So yeah, that's pretty much where the case is right now. It's kind of cold until otherwise other evidence pops up. Okay. Yeah. I mean, these things are always, especially for the family, you know, who have nothing to do but to wait, you know, to, to hear Literally. either, you know, for good news or bad to just waiting. The waiting is torture, you know. And being, being a mother right now, of course, my kids are younger and it's so easy to, I, I'm going to say this without coming across life, it's so easy to protect them, even though we know that kids are vulnerable. But when they become adults, there's absolutely nothing you can do but hope and pray that the world doesn't mm. take advantage of them. And this is one of those situations mm -hmm. where her family is sick right now. Um, it's easy for me to, you know, walk around with, you know, strapped, protected to protect my kids. It's easy for me to try to fight. It's easy for me to make sure that my kids get off the bus safely. It's easy for me to pick my kids up for school. But when they become adults, we're talking about a woman who's, I want to say she's she's close to 30. I, actually, that information is very available. I can look it up in just a moment. But um, she's a grown woman. And then the police are treating it like, oh, she had every right to leave, you know. She, she can go where she want to go. That's the difference between protecting your children and protecting your adults. And they just they just write it off as, well, um, she had every right to disappear. She maybe she just wanted to get away for a while. And then when you find her car, what's your excuse now? Her only way and means to get away was a car. Alexis is not just driving around out here. And she's a big girl. Um, she's not small by any means. And I hate for this thought to come across my head, but if anyone did kill her, it would take more than one person. Yeah, I'm gonna put it in a group. She's 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 real bottom heavy, big girl. Um, and I'm put it in a group. Um, but yeah, she, uh, she, um, oh God, it, it, just the thought of it, like, because there's been no updates. There's no way without her car, she's still alive unless she's tied up in a basement somewhere being tortured. <laughs> there's no way. So yeah, and then her, her phone has actually been going to voicemail. Oddly, the friend that said she talked to her around about 10, 11 o'clock that same night that the baby daddy saw her last, he met her to get the kids. He said he called her around seven and she didn't answer. The friend says she talked to her. Other people who were trying to call her after that time said that the phone has been going to voicemail ever since. So there's no answer on that either. So it's just, it's a lot right now. It's pretty, the city is pretty sad about it. Um, so hopefully someone will take it serious and they won't just write it off as an adult gone missing because she wants to. There's no way. I don't think no. that girl would leave her two kids and just go with no warning to anybody. I mean, I know I'm going off on a tangent here, but here's how you know that TV cop shows are bullshit, right? You see like the mm -hmm. TV cop shows and then you see like the cop, they'll have that one case that the one case that they just couldn't solve and they're like right. agonizing over it. And then, you know, maybe they get some help and they're like, yeah, you know, this person went missing 10 years ago and I haven't been able to find it. And now I'm getting ready to retire and I just got to find this person. Yeah, these cops don't give a rat's ass about anybody. I'm not even going to go ahead and say it has to do with her color. Cops don't give a fuck. They get a paycheck, they go home, they get the boss people around, that's that. And if there's a good cop, they get swallowed up by the system. And I'm being very cynical because I mean, when's the last time you've seen cops do good and have it be a normal thing? You know, I've seen cops do good work with my own two eyes. But when I see cops do good work, it's always, 
feels like it's extraordinary to me because usually mm-hmm. cops are, are being uh, pieces of shit, you know? I mean, right. the only time the cops really care about something, like if a missing per- if a person's missing, is if the press makes a big deal about it and then they have to solve it. And who does the press make a, deal, make a big deal about? Usually uh, blonde white women because that sells uh that sells airtime that sells that gets clicks on the website you know anybody else if they're if they're not on the news no one gives a shit like i I looked up the story uh msn.com was the biggest uh website i saw with the story all the rest there were like two others were understandably so local news and then msn picked it up and i was hoping maybe reuters would have picked it up uh you know something like that no no, it's just, you know, they they only push what they could sell and the cops will only work when they're under pressure. So I'm really praying that this turns out to be like a Kelly Price situation and she turns out yeah. to be okay. And we're all just, oh, okay, great. You know, we don't even care what happened just so long as she's okay. That's what I'm hoping for. But I, I, yeah, I sure hope so, but I don't think so. All signs are pointing to otherwise. I mean, they, you can't even reach her. We're talking about in a generation where we never put our phones down. We're talking about somebody who posts on social media every single day. We're talking about somebody who does some modeling and stuff like that. This girl mm-hmm. has reasons to communicate with people. And the, and, she, and you don't get nothing. Her phone is going to voicemail. It's been going to voicemail since at least the 31st, if we count the friend's last conversation with her. At least the 31st. The early morning of the 31st has been going to voicemail and then her car mysteriously turns up in some empty, no other human life around area that's supposedly close to some creek or river where they might find her. And then the crazy part, I don't see anybody doing anything. So it, I don't know. It, it's one of those things where it just, it just heightens my, my own self-awareness of my surroundings because you never know. It could, you know, the crazy part, it could have been something so random, like someone just looking for a kill, someone mm. not necessarily knowing her. And that might be why there's so much mystery. Yeah. And then she was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. And that person knew nothing about her. Or it could be an ex-boyfriend. It could be anything. But a lot of times when women go missing, it's typically not that random. Statistically, it's typically someone close to them or someone they know. Oh, one thing that I forgot I did leave out. Um, so about four days, four days before she went missing, she had posted something on her Facebook page and everybody was kind of confused about it. It was a lottery winning um, <coughs> of her hitting whatever the jackpot was at that time. Well, come to find out the actual winner was located in New Jersey. No one in South Carolina even hit for like, you know, like where they have to match four in the Powerball and win like a million dollars or something like that. No <laughs> I, one here in South I, I Carolina. I will say this, not mean to cut you up and say is that mm-hmm. might be like a, a, a Facebook gag because my friend posted something like that not too long ago. Yeah. So that might, yeah. That and that's, might and that's a, what people thought. might be a Facebook gag. Yeah, because that's what people thought because um, of, of, like the next day the post was removed and then like two days later she, she goes missing. So people were just wondering. I said, I think that was just kind of one of those things that was kind of like a it's like a, not necessarily a casualty of the situation. It was more of those things like people, it, it created mystery that wasn't there. I really think she probably was hacked by some spammer and they posted it. More and then than likely. it just kind of looked bad. Yeah, because she's, she has like 
almost 100,000 followers on Facebook on top of 5,000 friends. So that's a lot of people who might have ill intent or something like that. I mean, those hackers don't give a damn. They really don't. I see them hack people's Facebook pages all the time and they'll inbox you weird stuff like, hey, send me your cash app Mm -hmm. and your phone number. Oh yeah, they're definitely about to hack your cash app, bro. So yeah, stuff like that, but. You know, I, I will say this, but before before we move on, uh, oh, there was a, there was. A, I have a semi-related question about oh, hacking cash app. Yes. Um, I've been seeing like, how do people hack that? Because there is one guy that I went to college with, and every once in a while he'll post on his page. Um, I don't think it's him, but he'll basically say like, "I'm blessing people with cash app today. Post your cash app." Oh yeah, he why? Yeah, yeah. I, so, I, I got, I got. How does that work though? Like, because doesn't <clears throat> um, does, don't they have like? I don't know. Like, and it's weird because it seems like he actually posts his page. It seems pretty authentic, but and but he also has a second page, so that's what makes me think like it's fake. And I don't. Yeah. yeah. I don't understand. Like, I Only like a couple of people. I know it's a scam, but I I just want to know how the scam works. Well, yeah, so basically what they do, from what I understand, um, when they ask you to send your cash app, they'll start a conversation with you and later ask, hey, well, can I get your phone number to make sure it's legit? And you know, at cash app, you can only sign in one way and it's with the phone number. Apparently, they have a system that can clone your phone number temporarily, more like a computer system that can clone your phone number temporarily enough just for a few text messages to come through. They get the verification code, they hack into your cash app, and then in turn, take whatever information may be available from your actual bank account. See, and that's why I always unlink my cash app. Anyway, I always mm-hmm. unlink my bank account from it. Um, yeah, it's funny too, because we had just gotten, like I had a friend send, send some cash app like from for, for our wedding, like as a gift. And she sent um, a, a little money to cash app. And I was like, fuck, we don't even have an account set up with that email, but let me go ahead and set it up real quick. So I, I went ahead and set everything up, but I was like, what I won't be doing is leaving this bank account attached for, you know, in order to cash out because right. I do not yeah. trust it, but yeah, I don't okay, worry. I, I take my card off works. every time. I take my card off every yeah. time because um, working at the nightclub, a lot of people like to pay with cash out when they come in. And it's a lot of people like, oh, let me relink my card because people don't trust yep. these platforms. Another thing that I would suggest on your financial um, apps disable all of your cards and only re-enable it when you're ready to use it that keeps people um, who clone cards from being able to clone your card to be able to steal your information to be able to use your money right because that's what those card that credit card scams that's all they do they buy a I list just, of I our credit card it. numbers <laughs> See? they literally buy a list of our credit card numbers off the black market and that's what they do and they clone mm. those cards and and all they need to clone the card are some blank like um debit or credit cards from the from the grocery store like you know those like um green dot cards and stuff like that they take them mm-hmm. they put them through this machine and the only reason i know this i'm not a scammer guys but um there was actually a documentary <laughs> on youtube it, there's this thing it's called um i don't know the name of it but i'll see if i can find a link to the exact one i'm talking about but they talk to these scammers scammers from india credit card scammers um, identity theft scammers and they'll have like on black masks with a distorted voice with a black background they're just like a silhouette yeah. and they'll tell the story of how they do it even the people that do counterfeit money it's like this whole channel is dedicated to what scammers do 
And this one guy, he showed the whole setup of how they do the credit card and how they program the number into the, the basically the green dot card. And of course, we all know green dot card and those prepaid cards come with their own number. Whatever they do, mm -hmm. their system is able to replace those numbers and activate your numbers, for example, on that card so they can just swipe away. Swipe away. So yeah, that's, yeah, go into your bank account apps, people, and you can literally go into your settings on most banks, most modern banks, and disable your card. And I, I have six credit cards and three bank accounts, and every last one of them is disabled. I refuse to re-enable them unless, unless I'm standing at the register at that moment. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. But, yeah, so that was it about the Alexis Ware. Like I said, if there's anybody out there that listens, that knows any information, um, reach out to Greenville County, um, Greenville County Police Department, um, located at Fort McGee Street. I will see if I can find that number in a minute. <laughs> I, I, I just went blank. No, I know the number is the crazy part. It's like a generic number, but it leads to their... Um, non-emergency dispatch that sits at the front for county and city. Yeah, I'm not going to blow out the wrong number, uh, but I'm going to find it. I think it's 864-477-5000, but I'm not sure. I'll find that number and put that out there okay. at a later time in the show. And, I, Thanks, I, guys. And, and then real quick, just a, uh, you know, a, a quick pivot before we go to, uh, before we go to Odie. I, I, I don't know if I might have talked about this on the last show. But there was a woman who got who tried to they tried to scam her. They tried to say that they were her uh, her grandson and he got arrested for drunk driving and they need eight thousand dollars for bail. And she basically just told mm -hmm. them, yeah, um, you can have the bail money. You just got to come to the house and pick it up. And when she came to the house to pick it up, they uh, they arrested him. <laughs> she called the cops and they arrested her and she had one of those ring <laughs> nice. cams. So they showed them like, a, you know, I had the video of them arresting the, the scammers on her uh right on her front lawn and i was like what kind of a idiotic moron would think that if you try to scam somebody say yeah just come to my house and get the money that they'll be like oh it's payday <laughs> yeah that's that yeah people are slow yeah. i actually had one um scammer one time hack my aunt's page very long story short she hacked my aunt's page and she was saying that she needed me to cash up her money not knowing i was sitting right in front of my aunt <laughs> She was like, please, mm -hmm. please. Yeah, and, and, and what she did is she went through comments on my aunt's photos when she hacked her page and realized who her relatives were and start reaching out to them. Please, I'm in an emergency. My car is broken down the side of the road. And me and my aunt just played along for a while. And then, um, and then so I told the um, hacker, I mean, the scammer, I was like, um, well, I left the money on your door, auntie. You know, I need you to cash up it to me. It's an emergency. I'm not at home. It was, it was weird. It was the most weird thing I'd ever experienced when it comes down to scammers and hackers. They are relentless. Mm -mm. Well, I had one uh, call me earlier this week um, asking about a Discover card and an interest rate. And I was like, oh, I don't have a Discover card yet, but I want to get the new interest, like the, the new customer rate. Um, he was like, yeah, what kind of card do you have? And I was like, oh, like I just made up numbers and shit. Um, and he said he just needed the last four digits of the card. And I was like, oh, yeah, like it's with Bank of America and here's the last four digits. And I figured if they're wasting my time, then they don't have to be harassing somebody else. But yeah, he definitely um, yeah. caught on that I was just fucking with them and hung up. Right. I do the same thing. I waste their time. That's one less elderly person they can take advantage of. Yeah. Because exactly. they definitely the target the, 
They um and on the little scammer shows I watch on YouTube, which I'm looking for the links now. But yes, they target. I, started, I just started watching one called Scam, uh, Social Catfish or Scamfish yes. um, on on yeah. Facebook. They have a Facebook page. And and they'll say stuff like they target a certain demographic. They target elderly Americans, Australians, and Canadians, and Europeans. They, they target elderly. Yeah. And widows, people that are very lonely widows, yeah. and vulnerable. Yeah. yeah. And typically that it that those are the elderly, unfortunately, 70 plus. And and it's sad because like that and then I, when okay, so I, I work for Apple. Um and I we get people every now and then that go out and buy like ten thousand dollars in Apple gift cards because they're prints mm-hmm. or it's they're gonna whisk them off to I don't know the Middle East somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> but they'll make these promises to them. And um a lady was like, Yeah, he is coming. He's coming on Thursday. And I said, Do you have any kids around? She said, Well, yeah, my kids come over sometime. I said, Do you share this information with them? Oh no, because they'll think it's a scam. I said, Well, I'm gonna be your kid today. It's a scam. You 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 are one of thousands of people I talk to every day. And every single time it's a scam. This one man scammed her out of ten thousand dollars in Apple gift cards over the course of three months. She would go to the store like almost like once a week and buy like two five hundred dollar Apple gift cards. And he told her that he needed the gift card to be able to buy um, a plane ticket to come see her. Ten thousand dollars, bro. Then on top of that, our gift cards are for the Apple ecosystem only. You can't do anything but use them for Apple. Mm-hmm. So how is he buying flight tickets? And she was just so baffled. And she was like, she said, I don't want to believe it. I said, well, you have no choice but to believe it because you're calling into the company that this person utilized to scam you. We know it's a scam. And then the crazy part, um, not to give out Apple's information by far because I don't lose my job, but we can see <clears throat> where, they, where, the car, where the gift cards were redeemed to. And oh, so yeah? we know, we know, we know when it's a scam. We know. Mm, I did not know like that. It'll, yeah. Like, so if um, like some guy in India buys a gift card, He's going to either redeem it to like an Apple ID. You can only redeem our gift cards two ways, in the store or online through an Apple ID. If you're going to purchase anything online, it has to be redeemed to an Apple ID account. But when you redeem it to the Apple ID account, we see everything about the scammer, but we can't tell them that. We know exactly where they're located. We know all of their information and everything. So sadly, and um, but that's still a $10,000 loss. They spend the money on MacBooks, um, iPad Pros, they buy the biggest thing that they can to hurry up and consume it because they know once they block the people, they're going to realize what happened and they're going to try to get their money back. So they spend it on on large purchases. So yeah, um, sadly. So sad. Mm. Well, um, I did want to talk about a, a quick update on a story that uh that we discussed uh, last week uh involving two black women who ended up uh, dying in the state of connecticut and they were actually in the same town at the time we didn't have the name but i remember mercedes brought it up um but shortly after we recorded last week we learned that two connecticut detectives were placed on administrative leave over the handling of the death of Lauren Smithfield and Brenda Lee Rawls. Brenda Lee Rawls is the name we did not have at the time last week. Um, and according to NBC News, uh, they were placed on administrative leave over how they handled, or in my opinion, mishandled the deaths of two black women. For for those that need a quick reminder, 
um, when we were talking about Lauren Smith Fields last week, um, we learned that she was she met some white guy on Bumble. He came to the house. They, based on the evidence, had some sort of intercourse, did some drugs, and she she died. He's the one that called nine one one. It seems like there could be some foul play involved, but basically the detectives involved was like, oh, no, like, believe the white guy. Can't be that bad. And, yeah, they have definitely shit the bed with this with these deaths um, of these women. Uh, Smithfield was found unresponsive on December 12th, and the man that she was with was Matthew LaFountain. Um, and they, the chief medical examiner ruled her death as an accident that was caused by acute intoxic- intoxication due to a combination of fentanyl, promethazine, hydroxyzine, and alcohol. And so they are now doing a, a criminal investigation. But, of course, they're not fired. It's um, administratively, at least for now. So I just wanted to, to provide a quick update as we will continue to follow the stories of these of these women. Hopefully they get justice. Um, yeah, so we'll see. Um, now, as far as... Uh, <laughs> As far as quote unquote justice is concerned, um, Merce and I were talking about this on the pre-show, and uh, <laughs> somebody who I don't necessarily believe needs justice right now because he's super wealthy. I feel like people with money have resources that the rest of us don't have, right. and honestly, this is a situation that none of us need to know anything about. Yet here we are, um, and in a strange turn of events. Candace Owens has inserted herself into this ridiculous-ass story, um, which I know is Mercy's favorite person. So, um, In the whole world. But as, as the only parent on this call, Mercedes, I do have a question for you. What, how, uh, how old is your youngest child? Oh, okay. Maybe Mercedes uh, can't hear us right now. Not sure. Um I, I think well, we, 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 oh man, okay. I haven't checked the group chat yet. Oh yeah, she just said be right back. Okay, so uh, I'm not sure how old, how how young or old uh, Mercedes, youngest child is, but I am very curious to know if she if she lets her children use social media. Um, uh, we do know that North is eight years old. She's probably arguably the um, most popular of the West children, because she does have a lot of personality. I will say that. Um, She's very sassy. Um, But, like, in a good way, like, I I enjoy her content. Like, I I smile when I see that kid, in spite of who her parents are. Um, And like I said, it's not that Kim is, like, a terrible person. She's just, like, it's like, but, girl, like, but why are you here? Like, other than who your dad was or is, um, other than, like, Chris Cardet, like Chris is your mom. Like, what do you do? Like, what is your talent? Right. You know. Um. So it's kind of not really. It's, that's all. Anyway, uh, North is eight years old. She's on TikTok. Um, she doesn't have a problem with her being on TikTok, but Kanye does have a problem with her being on TikTok. Um. He said, "Since this is my first divorce." I need to know what should I do 
on what I should do about my daughter being put on TikTok against my will. Oh, jeez. Um, that's what he said. Now, Kim's response to this was, Kanye's constant attacks on me in interviews and on social media is actually more hurtful than anything uh, than any TikTok North might create. As the parent who is the main provider and caregiver for our children, I'm doing my best to protect our daughter while also allowing her to express her creativity in the medium that she wishes with adult supervision because it brings her happiness. Divorce is difficult enough on our children, and Kanye's obsession with trying to control and manipulate our situation so negatively and publicly is only causing further pain for all. From the beginning, I've wanted nothing but a healthy and supportive co-parenting relationship because it is what is best for our children, and it saddens me that Kanye continues to make it impossible every step of the way. Now, this is a very professional and polite read. Uh, kudos to whoever her social media manager is that put that out, probably Chris Jenner. You would almost swear her dad was a lawyer or something. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Or almost like she used her resources and financial wealth to consult the lawyer that Kanye should be consulting instead of putting this dumb shit and trying to um, try her in the court of public opinion. Because what you're not going to do is make me defend Kim Kardashian, Kanye. Um, But that's, that's where we're at with it. To the worst part, before we continue, uh, it, it always makes me laugh how some people are just like, they treat their parenting like they get on Facebook and they're like, hey, should I, should I buy a 4K TV or should I not buy a 4K TV yet? Should I wait a while? Like, that's Kanye's parenting. Like, just, just throw it under the ether and see who responds. Because he's not, he doesn't really give a shit. He just wants people to co-sign his nonsense. Now, Basically. I, I, I will say real quick before I, before I let you continue that if I had an eight-year-old and she was on like Facebook or Twitter or something like that, I'd be like, nah, sweetie, you don't need to be on that. But if she's on TikTok making little videos, I probably would let her, to tell you the honest truth. TikTok- no, no, I'm not, I'm not going to lie, though. The comments in North TikToks are kind of wild. Like, they're, they're funny. Um, at least when she first came. At least when she first start, came to the platform. It was funny. So people were in her comments talking about... Hey, North, have you ever played a game called Cash App? <laughs> oh, boo. Oh, North, North, get, um, North, baby, get, uh, Auntie, um, get Auntie Chloe's credit card out her purse, please. <laughs> like, ask your shit like that. Like, ridiculous yeah. shit. I don't think people well, were actually trying to, you know, they were trying to scam an eight-year-old, but it was funny as fuck. <laughs> well, like you said, See, she has resources. Talking about uh, talk about North, and you figure her her account is going to be monitored, you know. So it's not like they're just gonna... Kim, Kim specifically said that she wishes with adult supervision. This is very specific. Like this was a very professional um, statement, and quite frankly, I think it's a read. But it's it's very it hits all the main points. And honestly, if Kanye doesn't stop playing. This will come back to bite him in the ass because this is like very clearly um it'll come back to bite him in the ass because like this she's saying things like I'm the main provider. Yes. I am the main caregiver. So she's setting it up like she could easily get sole custody. So stop fucking playing before she goes that route because her actions are gonna be consistent. You're not gonna catch Kim flipping on this. Not when it comes to her baby. She's Absolutely. saying, like, she's saying, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. Um, 
I'm doing things in the best interest of our children, um, but here you are, like, taking things public, you know? He better stop. He better quit while he's ahead and not let Candace Owens gas him up. Candace Owens said, there's no eight-year-old in the world that needs social media. Go color. Don't know if Candace Owens has any kids. Don't really give a fuck. But at the end of the day, this is not your kid. And as again, as somebody with no children, this is what I know. Like, if you don't have if you don't have, if if this is not your kid, then frankly, you need to shut the fuck up. That's it. Unless they're like the kid is in immediate danger and you're somebody that needs to report that, that's it. But like, TikTok is not immediate danger. Um, Kanye said, thank you, Candace, for being the only noteworthy person to speak on this issue. There's a lot of celebrities scared to say something in public, but they'll text me in private and say they're on my side. I will no longer put my hand through a blender to hug my children. My mother took me to Chicago when I was three and told my dad if he came to Chicago, he would never see me again. So I bought the house next door. I dream of a world where dads can still be heroes. Oh, my God. You know, now, if, if your mother said this, like, is your mother not being here, obviously, to defend herself? If a woman said something like that, I automatically think like he was domestic, like abusing her. And there's a lot of dads that won't beat their children, but they will beat the shit out of the mothers. If she moved all the way uh, to wherever, she, wherever they were from to get away from him and said, you can't see your, your child, there's a reason for that. Right. So for him to say that is already wild as fuck. And if somebody that named their album Donda, like, bro, your dad's not telling you something. That's that's all I'm saying. Like your dad might be telling you part of the story, and you need to fucking realize that. You know the 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 problem with Kanye. You know, talking about I I I, I envision the world where dads could be heroes. Is that Kanye? I don't think he reads, because we talked about this on the show. I'm not going to go too deep into it, but they did a study. Uh, CDC did a study, as a matter of fact. And they found out that this whole thing about black dads not being there for their kids is really much a myth because they found that when they compared them between uh, white dads and Hispanic dads, that black dads are there more for their kids, even in cases of divorce. So the whole, you know, black dad going out for a pack of cigarettes and not coming back, that's just TV Hollywood bullshit. Now, does Absolutely. it happen? Yes, it does happen. Put it like this. One of my nephews... Um, I, you know, I'm not as close to him as I would like, but I mean, you know, he grew up without a dad. I mean, it's not like his dad died. They just weren't, you know, he and his mom just weren't together. But now he's he's all grown up. He's in the Navy. He's got two, he's got two daughters. And he would never think about, you know, leaving his kids. You know, he's-, he's Honestly, the, relationships like that also, I was going to say too, like relationships like this are kind of fluid. Like they go in, they come in ebbs and flows. Like sometimes, like it's funny because I actually, um, I was thinking about my father yesterday and um, I was talking to him about my, uh, talking to my mother about him. And, and I remembered like, I, she kind of reminded me like there was a time, I mean, I already knew that there was a time like where we weren't talking um, and he was absent. Um, But it was a very specific instance when my grandfather died, his father died. And, um, he was like really hurt that I didn't reach out, which is, I don't want to like get into the details of that, Uh but 
I just think about, yeah, we were struggling at some point where he was an absent father and he wasn't do he wasn't there a hundred percent. But by the time he died, like that's not where we were. So yes, there there are going to be periods I feel like where you're especially when your parents are divorced, where you're just trying to like figure out what this relationship should look like between, you know, you and the father. So it's it's ebbs and flows. I think I think that absent fathers might be partially true. Um but I think times are subject to change. As long as the father just keeps trying, most of the time everything will shake out the way it's supposed to. Yeah. He's gotta and, keep trying. Yeah. And and I, I'm I guess I'm looking at absent as, you know, just like the kids never yeah. met him, as opposed to being in a case of divorce where things between the dad and the mom are rocky and it makes parenting hard and you know, stuff like that. So I'm not counting that. I'm just counting like never there at all you know because i mean i you know i i've been lucky you know my parents you know they stayed together you know i have friends whose parents divorced when they were still in in middle school or high school and it's it's a definitely a different dynamic so uh yeah i i get it and in, in a lot of cases i understand but for kanye to make that statement like i want to you know like kanye doesn't read you know, if it's not a music sheet, he doesn't read. So for him to just come out, with, somebody with his resources to come out, you know, have all that bullshit flying out of his mouth, it's just, and especially where his kids are involved, you know, making a public spectacle of it. Especially when, and I know I'm defending Kim Kardashian, where as far as I can tell, Kim's doing what she's supposed to be doing. Like, shut mm-hmm. the fuck up, Kanye, you know? <laughs> that's pretty much what it all boils down to Kanye shut your cunt mouth and just be done with it but you know it's Kanye you know I imagine that one day he'll end up you know uh, and and Candace Owens is involved with her bad edges I know I know Mm -hmm. there are probably black women who listen to the show who are probably telling me to stop messing with Candace's edges it's basically just like, uh, and, I, and I'm a big guy myself. You know, I, I told the Uber driver yesterday, I'm, I'm a uh, chicken snack pack under 300 pounds. <laughs> so, I'm the, but you know, it's kind of like when somebody is overweight and they're a piece of shit, like I'm just gonna make up somebody, let's call him Chris Christie, right? The first thing you're gonna do is rag on his weight. If he was overweight, but he was the nicest guy in the world, like a Chris Farley or somebody like that, you would never talk about his weight right because he's a nice Mm -hmm. guy but Mm -hmm. if you're you know if you got a quality like if if i saw a a woman and she if she had bad edges i don't even have any hair i'm bald so why would i be ragging on people's edges but it's just something that we do to mean people to just get under their skin because they're horrible people and because someone like candace owens has so much money that you know it's the only way you could really get under her skin because i mean Candace is going to go home to her mansion, to her, to her banker husband, and she doesn't really care. But I know that if somebody called her, uh, somebody called her a bedwench on Twitter, some hero, <laughs> it was me. Mm-mm-mm. And then I know that she's blocking people because of that. If I know that can get under her skin and cause a little bit of discomfort as she's ruining people's lives, I'll do that. You know, I'll take the hit on Twitter, you know. 
So can I mean, I don't know why Candace Owens is not dating Kanye West. They're perfect for each other, you know? Well, they're probably because she's technically married. <laughs> technically married. I mean, they're both psychopaths. Probably. They were they were just, you know, it, it'd be like the couple from uh, Natural Born Killers. It'd just be perfect for each other. Probably. We'll see. I don't know. I doubt it. Well, <laughs> um, we know we know Kanye. He's dating that girl Julia Fox or whatever. She's giving me weird vibes anyway. She's definitely like a clout chaser, and it's weird because she's already an actress and wealthy compared to most of us. But uh, she just talks too much. Like she, she doesn't. Damn girl, have some mysterioso about yourself. Like you're fucking Kanye West. Like yeah. keep. keep Keep most, we shouldn't know half the stuff that we know about y'all relationship. Like, just stop. Or your past ones, for that matter. You know, here's the like part where I'm going to be... Weird. Yeah, here's the part where I'm going to be a male chauvinist pig. She doesn't really do it for me. Like, you know, you see someone like... I mean, granted, you know, I always, you know, rag about Kim and her her celebrity. But Kim Kardashian's a good-looking woman. If I had opportunity to date Kim Kardashian, I would. Money aside. You know, you know she, she didn't have any money. She's an attractive woman. And I'm not saying that Julia Fox is not an attractive woman, but, you know, there's certain types of beauty where it's just like, oh, well, she's a good looking woman. And they just go about your day. And then you're like, oh, she's a good looking woman. And then you're just intrigued by their beauty. Julia Fox does not do that for me. She's just like she's, mm-hmm. she's just a, a, a plain, a plain Jane. It's like kind of like a, a plain white T-shirt, not white as far as the color of her skin, but white as far as it's a T-shirt. It's functional. You put it on. You know, it comes out the wash, it smells good, you're good. You know, just functional. Not like your favorite shirt that's really comfortable, it fits just right. You know, you won't get rid of it because because you love it. You know, she's just a plain white t-shirt. It comes in a pack of three. <laughs> you know? Now, they are, now, now that song, Hey There, Delilah, is going to be stuck in my head for the rest of the day. Because <laughs> that was the name of the group that sang that song. Um, real quick, one one last story. I forgot I meant to bring this up. Mm-hmm. Um, what, would you like to share one of the most embarrassing things that, that's ever happened to you? One of the most embarrassing things that's ever happened to me. There's so many that I could choose from. <laughs> How about, has, has one ever, like, um, come up with... Um, with a name, like, has it garnered you a nickname in your circle of friends? Oh. I'll, I'll, go, I'll go while you think about it. Okay, so when I was in college, um, I definitely gained the freshman 15 and then some. Um, I was one size when I came in, started gaining weight over the course of the semester. And when I would do laundry, um, I, stopped putting, <laughs> I stopped putting my pants in the dryer because, like, they would shrink, you know? And I was like, I don't want them to shrink, so let me like air dry them. And one time I had, you know, washed some pants, and when I put them on to go to dinner with some of my friends, you know, we just went to the cafe. Um, basically, like I couldn't stick my my pockets in anymore. Like they would always like be stick. Like they looked like somebody was trying to empty my pockets because I couldn't. The pockets were basically busting at the seam because like they barely fit. And so my my friend started calling me uh, Professor Pockets and Principal Pockets because I of course I wear glasses and yeah that that name just stuck with me for a while so like 
anytime they call me that, I'm always reminded of like, God damn, I gained so much weight during freshman year. Um, and so it's embarrassing, but it's funny. It's just whatever. Like one of those things that just happens. Um, but it's still not as bad as what the fuck Lamar Odom is talking about. He said his manager calls him shit show. And it's not for the reason you think. I would think, you know, shit show, dealing with the Kardashians, his drug problems, almost like, you know, dying a couple of times. Like, nope. Um, that's not why he's called shit show. He's, um, he suffers from lactose intolerance and IBS. And he had a late night snack. He's apparently on Big Brother CBS this season. He had a late night snack of beef jerky sticks, candy, and warm milk. Now, bitch, why the fuck would you drink warm milk? Um, but yeah, he said his fart turned into a shot, and bam, he's on TMZ. The good thing is, it wasn't during the competition. He was in the shower scrubbing his ass because he ended up shitting himself. I was like, yikes. I, I will imagine that that happens to more people than, than would actually admit it. Absolutely. But, but they're usually not on camera when it happens. Because if that happens, Look. you pretty much just, no one has to know. But you're on, you, nope. you, what show is he on? On Celebrity Big Brother? Big Brother. That's Everybody literally knows. the point. <laughs> Poor Lamar Odom, as if he didn't have enough problems in his life, you know? Ah. Uh. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm still not gonna watch the show. But I just thought I was like, I was like, what the fuck? And and your manager obviously calls you shit show. Like you got a whole nickname out of this, sir. Oh, That's kind of funny. Not the nickname that he actually wanted, <laughs> that he would have chosen for himself. But you know what? These things happen. I guess you know ev- everybody's got something that they have that they can't really live down. So it's just, you know, and then because your friends will never let it go because it made them laugh. (laughs) Even if it's at your own expense. So hopefully, you know what? Hopefully Lamar Odom will do something that'll make people forget about that incident. But unfortunately, everything lives on the internet forever and ever. And, you know, when the earth blows up, there's going to be two things left. There's going to be cockroaches and there's going to be that video of you embarrassing yourself on some server someplace, waiting for the next round of human beings to find it and be like, ha, 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 he shit his pants in bed. <laughs> so, poor Lamar. Poor Lamar, but he'll be all right. But yeah, that's that's all I had. I, I, have, I already know what I want to do for final thoughts, so we'll, we'll get there when we get there. But yeah. I'm going to pass the time oh, you finish. Or, I, you know what? As long as we were doing the show, I always catch Odie off guard with the final thoughts. Always. I'm <laughs> ready today, though. I'm ready today. You know, I was going to skip straight to my main thing, but there is one thing that kind of interested me before I get into uh, the, the meat and potatoes of the day. Um, there was a, a article that I saw because something... It was like I was I um I don't know why I decided to watch the entire video for Flo Millie's backpack, and because you know like when she always shows up on the worst rappers of of the of the year list, and I'm like, well, me because a lot of times I just watch a clip and then the clip just loops the chorus. Let me listen to the whole thing. Maybe she's not that bad of a rapper. Yeah, she's not that good of a rapper either. But I noticed, and I, I went to, now I wasn't going to hit dislike on the video 
because I'm like, well, I chose to watch this. It's not like Nicki Minaj, like the first time I, you know, I watched it and I was just like, ugh, the uh, stupid hoe, that video. Hype Williams need to have his ass whooped for making that annoying ass beat. But I noticed that it really caught my eye. When you hit dislike on a video, it no longer shows you how many dislikes there are. Only how many I noticed likes. that. I have noticed that. Yep. I have noticed that. And I was like, okay, why? Why would they do that? Because I remember Nicki Minaj for a uh, stupid hoe had more dislikes than likes. Even though that That's video still I'm not gonna lie. I love that song. Nah. I mean I, I love that song. Well, well, remember one thing. I'm I'm old and crotchety, you know. So <laughs> Nicki Minaj is just not really my musical taste, you know. But the um, Caribbean breakdown in the middle of it, like the the way the shit just like stays on ten the whole time. I love that song. <laughs> that's a that's a good Nicki song. I'm sorry, but go ahead. <laughs> we we will have to agree that you were wrong. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. But um. This is from Mashable.com because I looked it up and there was an article about it. And it says the thumbs up button isn't going away. Users can still click thumbs down to dislike a video in order to inform the YouTube recommendation algorithm about content they don't like. However, when a user presses the thumbs down, there will be no dislike count, letting users know how many people also dislike the video. According to YouTube, the decision comes as a result of an experiment the company conducted earlier in the year. So this was this article was from uh, November of 2021. Um, the experiment found that when a user can't see the results of a dislike mobs campaign to drive up a targeted video's dislike count, they're less likely to pile on. There was actually a reduction in dislikes on videos as a result of removing the count. So YouTube says the experiment also confirmed that. That, that many creators previously told the company small channels were often the targets of these bad faith actors seeking to drive up the dislike count. And when I when when it was explained to me like that, I that don't believe that because you figure, let's just say there's a uh, there's a woman on YouTube. It doesn't matter what her color is. Let's just say she's just what the what the right wing is considered to be woke, right? They'll get their mobs to downvote the video so it doesn't really mm -hmm. get up there. Someone like Nicki Minaj, yeah, she can have all, all her videos can have more dislikes than likes. She's still extremely popular, and her videos will have hundreds of millions of views. So it doesn't matter. She's still going to be making that money. But somebody up and coming, you know, who's looking to make a little bit of scratch off of YouTube, they get those those downvotes. That's going to hurt them if they get ratioed. So um, even though I would really love to have seen how many people didn't like that Flo Millie video compared to those who liked it, I could live with it because there's an actual reason behind it. So I, I, I can let that go, you know. But yeah. the, the, the meat and potatoes of the day, not anything super important, just something, just something fun for once. You know, it's, you know what time of the year it is, Odie? That too, that too. We don't, we don't really care. About oh. <laughs> <laughs> we just lost Good. all our we just lost all our viewership because they're like this jackass and he don't care about black history much. Screw that guy. 
But um, it's a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So the nominees came out for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for uh, for. Okay, years. yes, I, I had heard about a couple of those. Yeah, a couple and of those. I, I I will say this: I am not going to talk about the people who were already nominated and didn't make it. So I'll just run through the list real quick. Pat Benatar, Kate Bush, Devo, Eurythmics, Judas Priest, Fella Cootie, who I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing his name wrong, MC5, New York Dolls, Rage Against the Machine, and everybody's favorite uh, psychic friend, Dionne Warwick. Uh, they've all been nominated last year, some more than once, and didn't make it. But I don't know if they're going to make it now because there's a lot of stiff competition for uh, the new people who were coming up. So you have uh, Beck, uh, years active, 1993 to present. His highest charting album was Guero, if I'm pronouncing that right, G-U-E-R-O in 2005, that debuted number two. His biggest selling album was Odelay in 1996, double platinum. And he had three singles, one called Loser, one called Dream, and one called Wow, All Gold. Do I think that Beck deserves the Rock and Roll Hall deserves to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? No, absolutely not. I there's only one song I liked from Beck. I mean, when Loser came out, you know, it was kind of like, uh, you know, oh yeah, that hippie is kind of rapping, sort of. Who cares, you know? Um, his music just never really moved me. He had one song I like called uh, "The New Pollution," and that's just because the video was kind of quirky. And I like quirky videos like that right? But do I think he deserves to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? No. There's much more talented people than Beck who don't make the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I think. So. Um, Duran Duran. Years active, 1981 to present. Now, what I say present means that if you've dropped an album in the last five years, I consider you to be present. Okay? So Duran Duran 1981 to present, highest charting album was The Wedding Album in 1993, debuted number seven in the US. Their highest charting UK single was Seven and the Ragged Tiger, debuted number one in 1983. Uh, oh, I didn't, I didn't do their biggest selling album, biggest selling singles. We'll skip that. But Duran Duran, you know, they were, they benefited greatly from the MTV era in the early 80s, you know, because was I a big fan of their music in the 80s? Meh. You know, I'm not saying their songs weren't good, but it's just that it's the 80s. You know, everybody was putting out music and it was just, you know, it didn't really stand out to me. I didn't become a real fan of Duran. I mean, I'm not a real fan, but their music didn't get to the point where I was like, you know, I kind of like it until the wedding album came out. And, you know, there are a couple of songs on the album. I'm like, this is Duran Duran. I like this you know, but they are huge in England and they do have a, you know, they do have a, um, a huge following out there. And I mean, and their albums still do well in the United States. So do I think they belong in a rock and roll hall of fame? Eh. If they made it, would I be mad? No, not at all. Do I think there's people that deserve to be there over them? Probably. Do you do you know anything about Duran Duran? I know that that's that may be a little bit before your time. A little bit, yeah. But if you ever heard um, a song called uh, "Hungry Like the Wolf," 
Yes, I do know that song. That's that was the song I was trying to think of. And I knew I had known some Duran Duran songs because I just watched like Wedding Singer like maybe two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And that song was definitely featured in that movie. Yeah. And they made, I mean, like I said, they made good music back in the 80s. But like I said, it just never really stood out to me for some reason. I don't know why, you know. Uh, next nominee, Eminem. Uh, yes, I did know about Eminem. Yeah, years active, 1996 to present, highest charting album. All of his studio albums are number one, except for Infinite, which didn't chart, and Slim Shady LP, which debuted at number two. His biggest selling album was, uh, all right, let me ask you this. What do you think is his biggest selling album worldwide? Worldwide numbers. I, I, I'm not an Eminem fan. I'm okay. not excited about the Super Bowl next week. I don't care. I am excited <laughs> to see Mary J perform, though, but that's it. Um, okay. And I think she's only allowed to do one song. Oh. Um, they could give so, her a medley. It's Mary. Yeah. She, she deserves a medley, at least. But I think, like, like but the only song they're going to probably play is Dr. Dre Family Affair, since it's, like, really Dr. Dre and Friends kind of thing. Gotcha. Um, that makes so sense. it's probably only going to be the, the one song that we hear. Um, so, yeah, I don't I don't know. Like, I, I don't know the name of Eminem's album. There's a couple of songs that I like. I'm not going to lie. But um, there's not like I'm not a fan, per se. Right. Like, he doesn't make music for me. <laughs> so uh, you know I can't what? get with it. I, I, I guess. Well, I mean, I have a little bit more venom in mind, but I guess Eminem for you was like Nicki Minaj for me. Except that there are no Nicki Minaj songs I like because I'm a crotchety old man. <laughs> and I like things the way they were back in the 30s. Um, <laughs> is, usually if I ask people what Eminem's biggest selling album was worldwide, they may say Marshall Mathers LP because that was his breakout LP. It's actually the Eminem show, the one that came out after that. Uh, it sold 27 million copies worldwide. And it sold uh, 14 million alone in the US. His Now, Wild Guess, what do you think his biggest selling single was? And I'll give you, I'll give you a hint. It was him and someone else. He had, he had someone else. Yeah, no, I knew it was going to be somebody else. I knew it was going to be a feature. Um, maybe the song with him and Rihanna. Which one? Because he had more than I one. I can't remember. Uh, hold on. I got to look him up. Hold on. Give me, give me like two shakes. Because I don't, like, I know what song... I'm thinking of, but I can't remember the name. Uh, yeah, the love the way you are. Yeah, twelve million copies. I would have guessed that. Yeah, and that I, song was everywhere. And I think the other one he did with Rihanna was sold like five or six million. So yeah, Rihanna helped him push a lot of singles. I mean, he pushed a lot of singles anyway. Put it like this, his singles discography had its own entry on Wikipedia. Um, do I think Eminem belongs in the, in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Of course, absolutely. I mean, he's, he's not just a top-selling rap artist, a top-selling artist. I know the fact that he's a white rapper leaves a bad taste in some people's mouth. Lord Jamar, I'm looking at you. But the man's got skills. He's not like Vanilla Ice where he's just clowning it up out there. I mean, Eminem has skills and he puts a lot of work into what he does. You know, when I see rappers like uh, like Future 
come out there like, I, these these rappers take two, three weeks to write a song. I write a song in five minutes. That's why I don't like you, Future, because you fucking suck, because you don't put anything into what you do, and you just make money for nothing. So, yeah, I do think Eminem should be in that Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and I'm pretty sure he's going to make it first ballot. You know. Uh, Next on the list is Dolly Parton. Here's the thing about Dolly Parton. Uh, Dolly, I thought she, yeah, do it, do I, it, do it, do it, do it. I thought she was already in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I did too, but probably it's probably she's probably actually in um like something to do with Tennessee. What what is the fuck? What the fuck? Oh, is well, put called? it like this: in any other country Hall of Fame thing, stuff like that, Dolly Parton's in there. And I I want to say she's in the Songwriters Hall of Fame. Don't quote me on that. I didn't look Maybe that up. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. But I mean, Dolly Parton, I, I thought she was already in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I mean, Dolly Parton, her years active, she's been active since 1967 to present. And when I say present, she has an album coming out in March. So yeah, 1967 to present. Her highest charting album. Uh, now keep one thing in mind. There is a there. She had a separate discography that I didn't look into because she had a discography with uh, Porter Wagner. I think that's his name. And she did a bunch of albums with him and they had it had its own discography. that I didn't even bother looking into. I just wanted I was just curious about her solo stuff. OK, she had. She, um, yeah, she is. She is in the Songwriters Hall of Fame. So her highest charting album was an album called Trio that she did with Emmylou Harris and Linda Ronstadt. In 1987, debuted number six, and Blue Smoke in 2014 also debuted at number six. Her biggest selling album was Once Upon a Christmas in 1984, and her biggest selling single, she has two double platinum singles, uh, Nine to Five in 1980, and Jolene, I didn't realize it came out that long ago, came out in 1973. Yeah, I can believe that. Yeah, I, I mean, do I think she do I think she she belongs there? Yes, I she should have been there years ago. I don't know what they're thinking of, why Dolly didn't make it, but come on, it's Dolly Parton, Jesus Christ. <laughs> she's been recording for 60 friggin' years. Jesus Christ. And it, it's not like she's been recording and it's like, oh yeah, it's crap. She makes great music. My mom was a huge fan of Dolly Parton. You know, and her favorite song was uh, Code of Many Colors. That was her favorite song from Dolly. Yeah. Okay, I Will Always Love You. I mean, Whitney made it iconic, but as far as, like, songwriting? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, That that's it. That's the one. Uh, Jolene is, <clears throat> is second place, a close second, but not I Will Always Love You. Not the way I Will Always Love You. I know a lot so. of people get on Dolly for the whole plastic surgery thing. I don't really care about nah. I, I, she's I, so likable she's so sweet like the donating books like uh the fact that she's cheeky yeah. about it with the surgery and she talks about like how much money it takes to look that cheap like <laughs> the fuck how could you how could you be mad at a lady like that get the fuck out of here she's, Everybody like, the, loves she, she's like the most sassy 76 year old i've ever seen right next to, to betty white you know god rest her soul um put it like this um I get on, I mean, you know, Cher had a lot of work done. I'm pretty sure Madonna's getting to that age where she's starting to have work done. Don't care. I really uh, don't. Um, no, we've all seen her ass. Yes, not yeah. not getting to that age. She's absolutely having work done. It looks a mess, but whatever. Yeah, but my thing is, I get on people like Tara Reid. Well, I, I put Tara Reid in the category that I put Julia Fox in. 
she doesn't really do it for me but i i'm not gonna say that she's ugly she's just not my type she just doesn't really you know raise my flag if i could be a bit vulgar here but she didn't need any work done she didn't have to go under the knife she looked perfectly fine dare i say it she was actually pretty she was actually pretty and then she started butchering herself with the plastic surgery and i'm not gonna go ahead and blame her i'll just blame society because they just put a lot of pressure on these starlets to to look a certain way and then it just they just get in their head well i need to go under the knife to make it to make myself look better Dolly Parton, you know, we've, we've known that for years, but who cares as Dolly Parton? She just transcends all that. Well, nowadays, um, a lot of these new age artists, female artists, mm-hmm. it's in their contract to get surgery done before they get out there. I remember um, someone telling me before, they was like, well, you mm. don't really get deep into the That industry. makes a lot of fucking sense now. Yeah. That makes yeah, a so lot you, of sense. They say, like, you might have to get a BBL, um, but there are girls who have entered the, entered the industry and they're like, oh, I'm going to do it the natural way. I'm going to work out. It does not take long to build a real round ass. I'm talking about two months if you go hard every day. They don't care. They want you to look like a wisdom tooth. So they actually make these girls get breast implants, get butt injections, get the BBLs done, get the tummy tucks, because apparently a natural body isn't the beauty standard anymore. It's a plastic body. Well, put it like this. Who, uh, who's in charge of the beauty standard? I'll put it like this. There was we talked about society. Uh, I keep forgetting how long we've been doing this. I was going to say last year. I'm like, it may, it may have been more than that. But I'm trying to remember who we were talking about. But she's uh, a. I wouldn't say she's like a. She might be like a plus size model. And there were, they credited, music videos, with featuring buxom women which is how a lot of these women started getting on the covers of magazines like King and stuff like that, because before they were stuck on that whole beauty standard, right? The, the, the boilerplate beauty standard. And then when, they, when these music videos started putting all these bucks and women on, and you know, of course, men were going crazy over them, they were just like, huh, so they don't like their women looking like pipe cleaners. Oh, okay, you know, Maybe we should maybe we should put them on the cover of our magazine. And there you go. That's why I'm starting to see a lot more, you know, plus size model, not just in Lane Bryant magazines, but I mean, just mm-hmm. more, uh, you know, more accepted, you know? Yeah, that's that's what made it a little bit easier for me to step into modeling because I am plus size. I know a lot of people are like, oh, you're not you're not a BBW. I was like, dude, I wear a size. 16, 18. I'm not a small girl. I definitely weigh over 200 pounds. But even with that, that standard was like the slim, the skinny. They're the only ones that can rock the runway. Well, that's not true. And clearly, you know, I got into Mm -hmm. modeling and it's a lot more plus size um, avenues that we can go now. Yeah, back in even the early 2000s, your fat was your fat. I would be fat to somebody. I'm not, I'm not plus size. I'm just a fat bitch. So, so yeah, it's society and their standards. It's changing. Yeah. And it's changing. And and I like the fact that it's changing because then women can just be there, just be themselves, you know? Right. Um, moving on. Lionel Richie. This one got me a little bit. Okay. Because Lionel Richie's already in the Hall of Fame with the Commodores, right? And who doesn't love the Commodores if you're an R&B fan, you know? Right. Uh, Lana Richie did a lot of songwriting. I mean, a lot of their big, I mean, a lot of them did 
write songs in the Commodores, but Lionel Richie wrote some of their biggest hits, you know? Uh, and of course, my favorite Commodore song of all time is definitely Easy. I'm easy like Sunday morning, you know? And what I was, I, I had to look back over Lionel's discography, his solo stuff to be like, huh, really? Now, of course, Lionel Richie's in the Songwriting Hall of Fame. You know, he wrote a lot of, he wrote um, Endless Love with, um, mm -hmm. uh, with Diana Ross. He wrote uh, Lady for uh, Kenny Rogers. He wrote that song for him. And um, I want to say that he co-wrote. I have to look that back up. I didn't put that in my notes, unfortunately. But I think he co-wrote We Are the World with Michael Jackson. So he was, he was definitely. He probably was on that. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure he was, actually. Yeah. I mean, uh, everybody. Him and Quincy and everybody. I mean, there's a lot of people on there, but I'm pretty Dan, sure he wrote that. Dan Aykroyd ended up on there somehow. He can't even sing. So, yeah, everybody was on yeah. there. <laughs> and, and I'm not joking about the Dan Aykroyd thing. I was like, huh? I'm like, there's no. I didn't know that. Huh? I don't remember seeing him in the video, but okay. Um. Lionel Richie, years active as a solo artist, 1982 to 2012. His highest charting album, he had three number one albums, Can't Slow Down in 83, Dancing on the Ceiling in 86, and Tuskegee in 2012. Uh, his biggest selling album was Can't Slow Down, which is a diamond album. For those who don't know, diamond means you sold 10 million copies. And his biggest selling single was Endless Love uh, with Diana Ross in 81 that single went uh, platinum. So I went back over his discography, his solo stuff, and I found out that I liked a lot more stuff from him than I thought. Because, you know, I, the, my problem is I listen to a lot of like worse lists, you know? And th actually the only Lionel Richie song that ever ends up on the worst list is like Ballerina Girl. You know, and it's it was, it's very schmaltzy. It's basically to me, Ballerina Girl for Lionel Richie to me was like, I just called to say I love you for Stevie Wonder. Like just a schmaltzy saccharine tune that just does not match the rest of what they've been putting out. You know, I and, and I laughed out loud at the movie High Fidelity with John Cusack. You know, they worked in that record, that indie record store. Where, where somebody comes in to buy a copy of I Just Called to Say I Love because he wanted to put on his answer machine for his daughter and Jack Black gives him grief over it about how shitty that song is. And I was just like, like I understand you, Jack, because I feel the same way. That's Ballerina Girl to me. But he did, he did have a lot of solo stuff that I did actually like. And I was like, okay, well, maybe I just hadn't heard it in a while and you know it just didn't click right away. Because when I heard... You know, for a solo stuff, I'm like, uh, oh my, outside of Can't Slow Down, I was like, huh? But no, he does have a lot of great music. I mean, and he is a prolific songwriter in the Songwriters Hall of Fame for a very good reason, you know? So uh, we'll see if he makes it in there. Now, this may be before your times, Carly Simon, uh, active between 1971 to 2009, her highest charting album was No Secrets in 1972, came out as number one. Her biggest selling album, uh, No Secrets in 72, Boys in the Trees in 78, and Coming Around Again in 87, all platinum. 
and she had three gold singles. Uh, You're So Vain in 72. Nobody Does yeah, It no. Better. That's uh, the only song I know, um, You're So Vain. You might know I, Nobody I, Does I, It I, Better because it was a theme for, uh, I, well, I don't, do you watch James Bond movies at all? Mm, not really. What about you, Mercedes? You're, you're watching the old James Bond movies? Yeah, I've seen some of the older ones, um, like back when I was a little bit younger. Um, and the song, that one song is the only song that I know too. And I don't know if it's because generationally we weren't exposed to um, the music quite wow. like you were, but yeah, that's the only song I know. But yeah, I do remember some of the James Bond movies. Yeah, because uh, she did uh, Nobody Does It Better for uh, the, Spy yeah. who, the Spy Who Loved Me. Right. Yeah. And then she had a song called Jesse that came out in 1980. All three of those were gold. So um, I, I will say, uh, I mean, once again, Carly Simon songwriting Hall of Fame, you know, uh, long career, a lot of hits. I don't know much about Carly Simon, so I don't want to comment too much on Carly Simon. But like I said, if she made it, I'd be fine with it. It would be something like, well, OK, well, you know. She deserves to be there. So last week, and I watched the Janet Jackson doc documentary. Mm -hmm. um, and I think ever since then, like Facebook, they always like play, give me recommendations on my feed for um, music and music videos, like throwback songs. Mm -hmm. But that song, uh, and what the fuck is it? I can't, like, I'm, I hear it in my head, but I can't remember the actual name of the title. But it did sample um, You're So Vain. Um, and actually, Carly Simon was credited on that song. It was Missy Elliott, Carly Simon, and Janet Jackson, of course. Gotcha. Okay. And um, yeah, that, that came up, and I was like, shit, I forgot about that song. Um, so I like sat down and watched the video. I was like, oh shit, I remember the song. Like it just like you, yesterday. You know, when you said Janet Jackson, you mentioned that, and I thought you were getting it mixed up with the Joni Mitchell song that she did for uh, "Don't Know What You Got Till It's Gone." Yeah, no, not that one. Not that one with Q-Tip. There was yeah. there was one with Missy. But, but when you said and, Missy, uh, I was like, oh, I know the song you're talking about. That's right. Yeah. 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 So last but not least, and this was, I, I did this one last on purpose because, you know, I'm an old head and I love my old school rap. And the fact that this stuff is now considered to be old school, it makes my knees hurt and it makes my back stiffen up because I, I'm just <laughs> But... Uh, a tribe called Quest is nominated for the Rock and Roll. Ooh, I did see that. So years active, 1990 to 2016, highest charting album. And they actually, I didn't look to see if this was a, a record all around. I because if so, I think Santana might have had that record. But um, it definitely is for raps uh, for rap music. Um, the longest stretch between number one albums. So uh, their highest charting albums was Beats, Rhymes, and Life in 1996. And then uh, we got it from here, Thank You for Your Service, which came out in 2016, exactly 20 years later. Also debuted at number one. Um, Beats, Rhymes, and Life was platinum, their, uh, their only platinum album. And then um, their biggest selling single, they had two of them, uh, Check the Rhyme in 91 and Scenario in 92 that went... Uh, but they both went gold. Now, Tribe Called Quest was part of a, uh, a rap consortium, if you want to call it that, called the Native Tongues. And the Native Tongues, uh, 
So this is Wikipedia's entry on the native tongues. Uh, they were a collective of late 80s, early 90s hip hop artists known for their positive minded, good natured Afrocentric lyrics and for pioneering the use of eclectic sampling and uh, later jazz influenced beats. Uh, beats sorry. Uh, so the principal members were uh, Tribe, De La Soul, uh, and I'm just going by the ones that you would probably know because a few were, were even I was like, huh, who? But uh, Tribe, De La Soul, definitely, Jungle Brothers, uh, Queen Latifah, Black Sheep, Fushnikens, and uh, Moni Love, right? So they were the, the core members of Native Tongues. And then they had other members that were like, they could fit to be peripheral members, like people who were associated with them, but not part of the core movement, like the Beat Nuts, Brand Nubian, uh, Most Deaf, uh, Bush Babies, Common, Farside, you know? So I like, I don't think that people really credit the native tongues enough with advancing rap music. I really don't. And the only thing I, I kind of, I don't know if De La Soul is ever going to be nominated for Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but I think they deserve to be there as well. You know, not just because I'm a fan, but because they just, to me, they just, you know, between Tribe and De La and other artists, they just advanced the art. Because if you listen to, to music like in the, the late 80s, especially when gangster rap was starting to, to really blow up, you know, Ice-T, N.W.A., you know, uh, Compass Most Wanted, so on and so forth. It, it added a lot of diversity to rap that at one point was starting to go away because that's when rap was still on the radio and you still had to fight with program directors who just wanted to make money over playing what they liked or playing what the people liked. You know, I mentioned that um, uh, one of the reasons why MTV blew up is because, and, and it was a struggle, don't get me wrong. It wasn't like, you know, MT, if you, if you ever, if I find it, I'm gonna post it on our, on our group page. But there was a big thing where MTV wouldn't play Michael Jackson's Billie Jean video. And people were just like, it's Michael Jackson. What the fuck are you doing? He just came out with Off the Wall just a few years ago. You know, that album that won those Grammys and you don't want to play his music. And there was a video of David Bowie talking to one of the VJs. And David Bowie is grilling this guy as to why they don't play black music on MTV. You know, it is, of course, you know, uh, the early 80s. And this guy is giving his bullshit excuse. Look at the look on David Bowie's face when this guy is giving his bullshit excuse about why he won't play black, why they don't want to play black music on there. And David Bowie's just looking at him like, you dumb son of a bitch. Um, at the time, before they became Sony, they were like Columbia Broadcasting Service or CBS. It got to the point where CBS threatened to pull all their videos from MTV if they didn't play Billie Jean. And then Billie Jean, of course, became, you know, thriller. Definitely. There's not much mm -hmm. more to say about that. But MTV benefited from all these radio stations who only played the same thing over and over. So they would literally call like 15-year-old girls and be like, hey, hey, 15-year-old girl, what do you want to hear? And these little girls are like, I want to hear Air Supply. I want to hear Journey, you know? And that's what they would play all day. 
and it made them tons of money, but it didn't expand anything. So when MTV was playing all the videos that um, the radio wouldn't play, they benefited from it, you know, because now you had variety and that's what Native Tongues kind of gave to rap. It gave them a lot of variety. You know, if you watch the video for De La Soul's Me, Myself and I, that's kind of, that's the whole theme of the video. Everybody's, you know, got the, the kangles and the suits and, you know, they standing with the poses and they're just in there, you know, they're just, you know, they got their button down shirts and their African medallions and they're like, we're not, you know, we're, we're different. That's not us. We do our own thing. So Tribe was a major influence in that. And yeah, obviously they definitely deserve to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Will they make it first ballot? Probably not. Because there's too much, I mean, you figure out of all the acts that I mentioned before, right? That didn't make it the first time around that probably should have made it. You figure somebody like, uh, I would say this, out of the list of, of people last year who didn't make it, and some of them have been nominated multiple times, I would say if I had to pick three, that should have that would probably get in if it was up to me. It'd probably be Pat Benatar, Judas Priest, uh, Dion Warwick. Off the top, those three should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And it's not like I don't love Rage Against the Machine, but if I had to weigh it one against the other, I probably wouldn't put Rage Against the Machine over uh, Pat over Dion Warwick and Pat Benatar for their musical influence. You know, they could get in on a slow year. And I love Rage Against the Machine. So now you're adding uh, Carly Simon, uh, you're adding Lionel Richie, Dolly Parton to the list. Yeah, that's going to be a tough sell for Tribe. So if Tribe were to make it in, in the same year as all these other artists, I would be ecstatic. Because I think Tribe may get in next year if the new crop that comes up isn't as strong. I love Tribe Call Quest. But with all the people yeah. who are out now, yeah, it's like they don't deserve it, like based on based on the competition. But I know like the way it works is they do filter them down, so or do like rounds or whatever. So we'll see. We'll yeah. see. So hopefully, they, hopefully they'll get in. But I'm not betting money on it. <laughs> I'm not betting money on it. I'm gonna, you know, since Odie, since you have uh, actually have a um, final thought already, already, uh, I'm gonna let you close the show. But I'll say this: I, I will say one thing here. Uh, the Batman comes out next month, right? First week of March, it comes out, and I noticed that on the forums, people are really mad at people who are ragging on Robert Pattinson, who was who plays Bruce Wayne, and to the point where they're like one guy made a comment about like, is he going to like, like with Batman, like when Bruce Wayne comes out in the daytime, is he going to sparkle or something like that? Because mm-hmm. of course, Robert Pattinson was in Twilight. And I mean, well, he, I mean, vampires and bats, aren't they the same thing? Well, you got a vampire. Bats, I'm just saying, all fictional. I'm just saying they could, they could, they could make it in the same universe. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, the <laughs> <laughs> I think they do have vampire bats, but I think they get a bad rap. I don't I don't even know if they actually even drink blood like that. I'd have to look it up. But no, I, I, I don't think, think so, but I'm just saying, like, as far as the Twilight reference, if we're gonna do that, if we're gonna talk about that, then let's 
Let's, yeah. let's do it right. Let's yeah, let's the vampires yeah. were, they would turn into bats, like um, back in exactly. the day. You're right. Exactly. Now, I will say Twilight vampire, vampires know they, they glittered in the sun. That was it. They twinkled yeah. in the sun. Yeah. And I was just like, that is the most sequined shirt thing I've ever seen in all my life. Like, what in the world? I watched a vampire. Not in real life, of course. One of my favorite Dracula movies is uh, the one in, that came out in 79 with Frank Langella. When he went to go kill Renfield, because Renfield sold him out, he crawled up the side of the, of the asylum, broke into a Renfield's asylum, and broke his neck by twisting his head all the way around. Just snap, you know? And I'm like, that's what the fuck I'm talking about, Dracula. Get that, dude. And now they're just like, they're just sparkling in the sun. Like, like like a figure skater shirt. And now I'm just like, you guys sissified these vampires so much. Now everybody's allowed to have their own take on vampires. True blood vampires are real vampires to me. They're yeah. <laughs> like, they were so, only vampires that made sense. Yeah. So, I mean, everybody has their own take on it. I just don't happen to like that take. And I know he gets a bad rap because of that. But there were people, like when somebody made that comment, this guy actually, one guy actually went into the comments uh, and, and, you know, sometimes if you look people up on Facebook, I do that sometimes because I, I, I want to see if they have any like Donald Trump stuff up there. So just so I could be like, yeah, I don't need to talk to this guy anymore. He's a Trump supporter. I'm just going to pass, you know, because I know where this is going to go. But I guess he found out that the guy was a DJ because I guess he posts like professional stuff and it shows up on your Facebook feed, even if you're in private. And he called him, a, and he literally called him a loser because he made a joke about Robert Pattinson being sparkly. And I was just like, and I, and he didn't answer me, but I, 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 you know, I responded directly. I'm like, Hey, are you Robert Pattinson? Does, does he sign your paychecks? Like what, like, can we just calm down here? It's like you know? one of those things like, um, well, well, first of all, I know people pick on the Twilight vampires because Stephanie Myers definitely had an approach that was nothing like Dracula. But that was like the breakout of his career. He had done some other movies, but that was like it. Yeah. That was like it for him. Like that was a big deal. And the crazy part is that he wasn't even going to try out at first because, you know, he has the British accent. He practiced and perfected his accent. Yeah. I yeah, mean, so. I had read uh, recently about Taylor, the the boy, what's his name? Taylor Lautner, the one who played yeah. like the wolf side. Uh, he, yeah. um, he basically said like, he shied away from everything. That's why we haven't seen him. And um, he was just like, yeah, it was like hella annoying. Like, I just wanted to go to the grocery store in peace. But like, there was paparazzi waiting outside my house. So like, the next thing you know, like, you're in the house all the time. He probably loves the fact that the pandemic is here and he can wear a mask um, and be, you know, fairly anonymous. But that was a wild time. That was a wild time. And very very extra with the, with the tween drama and all that but yeah i was too old for all of that so i you know i can't relate but i understand the fandom those cycles just repeat themselves yeah i mean it, it was definitely a movie for the fans because it wasn't a movie for the critics because critics hated it <laughs> but it but it but it made a shit ton of money i mean the fans May I say enjoyed, I was the a fan. enjoyed it and that's the most important thing <clears throat> that the fans enjoy it you know who cares what i think but, I was a fan. I'm not gonna lie. I definitely was. I was what they call Twilight. <laughs> I loved Twilight, and I was a grown woman. I was like 26. 
Well, put it like this. I mean, it's, it's basically, and like I said, I mean, I, I rag on the whole thing about how they treat vampires, but I mean, everything doesn't stay the same forever. They actually had a, um, there's a, a, a paid cinemassacre, and he actually had a, uh, like, a, he did like this whole big thing. It was like an hour long. I loved it. But which Dracula movie stayed the closest to the actual book? And he broke it down in every department and who had which character in there. And, you know, turned out to be the BBC version of it, you know, that came out like in the, in the seventies, I think, you know, but um, it was pretty interesting, but it just goes to show that everybody has their own take on the original story and things are not always going to be the same, you know? So I, yes, I'll, I'll throw some shade at the sparkly vampires thing. Cause I grew up when, when, when vampires had sideburns and capes and stuff like that. You know, it turned into bats into the night, turning the wolves and crash through windows and stuff like that. And, you know, you know, slap people around, but you know, I guess these things change with the times, but, but my, but my whole point to that is Jesus Christ, man. Like the fact that he went and called this dude a loser because he didn't like Robert Pattinson. I'm like, like you're the loser. Like you're getting all mad. I'm like, if you're not part of Robert Pattinson's press team, shut the fuck up about other people's opinions on it if they're not being hateful. Thanks. That's, I mean, if they're being hateful about Robert and I like, said something personal about him, yeah, have at it. Go get him. But, you know, he just gave, I mean, I gave my opinion. I'm like, look, I'll wait for it to come on HBO Max and just skip past all the Bruce Wayne parts. One of my friends said it best when I, when I posted the trailer, he was like, Robert Pattinson looked like Bruce Wayne if Bruce Wayne was on heroin. Basically, he's still just a pasty British dude at the end of the day. Right. <laughs> but but um, like I said, I mean, when you're on the comments, you know, yes, you're allowed to go against other people's comments, but don't get personal, man. I mean, and yes, I get personal when it comes to celebrities like Candace Owens, but fuck Candace Owens. Who cares? She's rich. She doesn't care. Um, Mercedes, what are your final thoughts? Um, I really don't have one in, uh, in particular in regards to our show today, but um, just random thoughts here today, kind of like a quote I got from my dad, actually. Um, Only you can be the judge of you, which I know people say that all the time, mm -hmm. and he's going to elaborate on it, but that's just it. Just live your life as you wish, and only you can judge you. And that's it. That's all I got. Odie, what are your final thoughts? And, and, and you're closing the show today, so go for it. The floor is yours. Hey, uh, shout out to Rihanna and ASAP Rocky for kicking off Black History Month with a bang. Uh, yeah, yeah they're yeah. having a baby. A, a broken clock is right twice a day, as they say. And we all know that the fans have been um, like really, really waiting for them to have, uh, like for Rihanna to actually be pregnant because it's a rumor she's been pregnant before, but, like, now she's finally confirmed out of her own mouth that she's pregnant. On the downside, we'll probably never get the follow-up album <laughs> that we've been waiting for. Like, I'm not in the Navy per se, but, like, I'm Navy adjacent, and um, I would quite enjoy some Rihanna music, especially, like, maybe around the summertime. Right. But... Oh, it looks like we're never going to get any music again from this lady. 
And I'm so sad about it, but I am happy for it at the same time. Like, God damn, shit. Like, congrats. Congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) Waterfall of tears, but congrats. I'll put it like this. She hasn't released the album since 2016, I think. That's the last, well, the last studio album that she put out. I don't know if she put out anything else. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was the anti-album. That was the last time. And there's a rumors that she's doing like a Caribbean, like Afrobeats type of album. And it's just like, where the fuck is the music, please? Yes. Oh, my God. 2016 was six no- years ago. Oh, yes. God. And like, we're never going to hear new music. Like, she's pregnant. She's not thinking about us. And plus, um, like, you know, with the type of music that she has, that would mean that um, she would need to go on tour. You know what I mean? Because it's so danceable. Like, we want to see her dance to it and do all the shit that she normally does. But, like, that's not going to happen at least one another year. Even if she releases the music this year, it's going to be another year before she even performs it in front of anybody. <sighs> Congratulations. But, like, I guess. Nikki, Nikki's putting out music. She just had a baby, so... Uh, she's putting I mean, out even Cardi. It. it was okay. Cardi had her babies and still came back. You know, that's so. true. Yeah, but but they, like they don't dance. They don't dance like Rihanna, though. You know what I mean? They don't. They don't give us performance. Like I need. I need true. the performance. And, and besides, we'll, we'll Cardi, Cardi B's music is easy to make. She can just make music whenever she feels like it. There's no writing involved in the Cardi B's music. As much as I like Cardi B, I do. I don't like her music. I just like Cardi B. You know, because she looks like she's still having fun with it, as opposed yeah, to I like her personality. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like Cardi B seems like somebody like if I met Cardi B like in a restaurant someplace and I went and I didn't walk up to her like a goon, she'd probably chat with me for a minute or so. You know, she yeah. seems she seems nice like that. Like Nicki Minaj, every time I see her in a video, she's always frowning like she's rapping because she has to. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> like like somebody's making her rap. I know? legit think she just wanted to do uh Nikki. I think she really if if the acting shit would have took off for Nikki before anything, I think that's where she would be and stay. I think it's just that the music thing took off for her and paid her bills faster. You know, so and, and I did not realize I, I didn't mean to cut you off. I apologize. It just mm-hmm. caught, caught my ear. I forgot that Rihanna's a billionaire, first of all. I forgot all about that. And second of all, mm-hmm. yeah, Rihanna's 33. Why did I think that she was in, only in her late 20s or something like that? No. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's, she's a grown, grown-ass woman. That biological clock is ticking, you know. So, yeah, uh, I get it. I totally get it. And put it like this. It's not like when she doesn't, this dog, when she comes out with an album two or three years from now, it's not like you're not going to buy it. Or stream it. <laughs> she she knows you'll be waiting for her. <laughs> yeah, I guess. So that's all, that's all I got. So I'll let you officially sign us off. All right. Well, if you haven't already, you can subscribe to us. We're on most major uh, most major sites, including Apple Music, iHeartRadio, Spotify. Yes, we're still on Spotify. We're not leaving Spotify, Neil Young. No, I'm kidding. Mm-hmm. But, uh, <laughs> so uh, it's 
I don't know. It's like 35 degrees outside. It's not that bad out here in North Carolina, but I know in the Northeast, I know there were a lot of storms. So I don't know if people have dug themselves out yet or anything like that, but if it's still messy where you are, don't go out unless you have to pretty much. Mm-hmm. So we don't need, we don't need any more traffic fatalities out there. Everybody uh, stay safe and stay warm and uh, we'll see you guys next week. All right. Yep. Bye guys.